We need no further proof that our governments and their public health authorities have turned science on its head and are promoting policies that are detrimental to their citizens. Consistent with a rush to vaccinate the entire population against COVID-19, regardless of the low risk of death, the focus has now turned to the vaccination of young children. In Australia, the Public Broadcasting Authority, the ABC, is placing messages about the vaccines in children's programs. In recent days, Canada has given the green light for kids aged 12 and up to get COVID-19 vaccines. So 13-year-old Aiden had the bright idea to go out and get it as soon as he could. It's like getting a vaccine to protect the rest of your people in your community. And if there's one thing pretty much every country agrees on, it's that however it happens, we'll all be better off if we're COVID-free. Why has this been done when children are at low risk of infection and when many medical experts are warning that on available evidence and science, the COVID mRNA products are unnecessary and even unsafe? Dr. Mark McDonald has a practice in Los Angeles and is a frequent media commentator. He is board certified in both child and adolescent and adult psychiatry. He specialises in the evaluation and treatment of young people with mental illness and over the past decade of postgraduate training has supervised and taught medical students, residents and fellows in multiple disciplines of medicine, psychiatry and therapy. Dr. McDonald, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. You've said we're not in a medical pandemic, but an emotional pandemic. Can you explain what you mean and and have observed in your practice since early 2020? Well, I knew that we were not in a medical pandemic from the very beginning. Uh, Back in March and April of last year of 2020, my patients began presenting with significantly worsened anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, phobias, OCD, And even outside of my practice, I was noticing that people were acting strangely on the street. They were avoidant, not making eye contact, uh, crossing the street when you would walk by. I just thought it was strange. And I thought it was doubly strange because I didn't know anybody that was getting sick, was being hospitalized, certainly not dying, who was under the age of 70 or 80 years old and not in a nursing home. So it became clear to me and it became clear still over the months that followed, that what we were suffering from was not really a medical crisis, but really more of a psychological and emotional crisis. Children have been subjected to a lot. Lockdowns, school closures, mask mandates, outdoor and community restrictions. Do governments have any idea of the various harms and measures of the costs of their actions on children in America alone? Well, the government certainly does know whether they want to do anything about it or admit to it is another question. I wrote an op-ed along with a colleague of mine to a local paper here in Los Angeles, the LA Daily News, uh, back in April of 2020. And in that op-ed, I cited another article in the Los Angeles Times that had been published a few weeks earlier of an interview with the director of D.D. Hirsch. D.D. Hirsch is a suicide hotline here in Los Angeles, that fields phone calls from people of all ages who say they want to kill themselves. This director had said something in the article that really struck me. She said that 
in the month of February, February 2020, they had received 20 phone calls for suicide in 30 days. By the end of March, that number had exceeded 1,000, from 20 to 1,000 in just 30 days. That was the first sign to me that the emotional illness was going to be far, far worse than anyone had ever imagined. And of course, the numbers just continued to get worse. As of uh, just a week ago, the four Southern California county coroners announced that although the total suicide rates across all ages have gone down in the last year, among children, they've all gone up. In every single county in Los Angeles, the number of actual deaths of children has gone up compared to 2019. There were more deaths in San Francisco from drug overdoses, which are generally fueled by emotional illness of some sort, than there were Wuhan flu virus deaths in all of 2020. And interspersed between that month and now, we have just unending emotional distress, medical catastrophe, illnesses, mask problems with children and also with adults that is unending. And the numbers are everywhere, but the government will not do anything about it because their interests, in my opinion, do not lie with protecting the emotional and physical needs of the citizens. They lie elsewhere. It makes you wonder, though, the uh, what's the agenda? I mean, it's... Uh... I mean, children are our most precious things on the planet, and to uh, to basically abuse them, it's uh, just horrific, isn't it? They're being used as pawns. Mm. They're being used as pawns by the teachers' unions for the schools, by the CDC and other government elected and unelected politicians and bureaucrats for political gain, and also by large corporations for financial reasons. There is absolutely no explanation that is rational, medical, or scientific to be treating children this way. None whatsoever. The obvious answers lie in money and in politics. In Australia, we're no different than the US. There's a new focus on children with vaccination. Um, We note advertising or advertorials promoting uh, and appearing on ABC's children's programs, promoting you must take the vaccine. It's good for you. It's going to save your life and make you reliant forever and ever on Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna, and so on. What's your thoughts on these these examples of of the ABC, you know, which is our national program, it's like PBS, and it's supposed to be all good for families, and um, it's doing exactly the opposite. I've seen them, and I think they're abhorrent. Uh, we have ad campaigns here in the United States for specifically young people with phrases like, everyone's doing it, go get your shot. There was a cartoon that was published uh, for the LA school system to encourage children to come back to school after their vaccines. I've seen these ads all over English-speaking countries, and they reek to me of propaganda. And I I, I don't use that word lightly. I, I, I really believe that they are propagandistic. They are the intentional dissemination of falsehoods for political gain. There is no other explanation. And the reason for this is that children are essentially immune to the Wuhan virus. Children are not dying of this condition. The CDC in the United States rolled down their numbers for 2020 of deaths in underage 17 population here in the U.S. from 200-something down to 187 just last week. 
And every single one of those children, that 187 United States children who died with the Wuhan virus also had significant comorbid medical problems. Not a single one died of it, rather died with it. So if you don't have a risk for a medical condition, if your risk is zero, in other words, flu kills more children every year, standard influenza, than the Wuhan virus, and we don't vaccinate or mass children for flu, then why in the world would you give children a vaccine for that infection, particularly a vaccine that's never been tested before in human beings? This technology is brand new. And we have no safety data for it whatsoever in children. Children were excluded from the trials for that very reason. And now we're telling parents and schools and uh, children themselves, as you just said, with these ads, that down to age 12, it was 17, then 16, now 12. And I'm sure by next week, it'll be down to age eight and eventually two and mm. pretty soon age zero, that they all need to get these universal vaccines. Whether or not they have immunity is irrelevant, even though the study in England last month showed that people who have been infected and recovered from this virus are at three to 400% increased risk of serious complications compared to those that have never been infected with the wild virus. All of the scientific evidence, all of it incontrovertibly shows that children should not, not don't need it, but should not receive this experimental vaccine. And yet it is being pushed onto children with no informed consent whatsoever at risk to their actual medical health and well-being. But where are the parents? <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know, you'd have to get the, well, maybe not these days because, uh, for example, gender re-engineering um, in Australia, the, you don't have to have the parents' consent after a certain age, and it's pretty young, not sure of what. Um, it's the same thing with vaccines. Don't tell your parents. Go and have a vaccine. I've seen um, really disturbing news in the United States regarding what ages children can receive medical interventions at school without parental consent, without a judge's order, that are, are simply terrifying. The parents do not even have the option or the right to contest these shots or to intervene. The kids are getting them without their parents' knowledge in many cases. And children do not have the legal or intellectual ability to provide any sort of informed consent for an unproven, untested, unapproved vaccination product. It's, it's just ludicrous. And yet it's happening. It's happening all over the country. My belief is that the goal here is not public health. It's not even immunity, actually. We don't hear anything about immunity, immunity passports, for example. All we hear about is vaccine, 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 universal vaccination, universal vaccine passports. One third of the United States already has a natural immunity. That's the estimate. 100 million people. And yet the entire 100 million population of which a large percentage are children, because they're the most common asymptomatic post-infected and naturally immune individuals in any society, are also being asked and coerced into getting the vaccines universally. You ask, where's the mother? Where are the parents? Well, I had a boy in my office last week, 17 years old. And he just got his second shot of the Moderna experimental vaccine product. And his mother was nowhere to be found. I finally called her and asked, why did you allow your son to get this vaccine? She said, well, he has a job this summer at a local high school summer camp. The school is called Marlboro High School. Tony, $50,000 a year girls private high school in Los Angeles. That school will not allow him to work at the camp 
unless he shows proof of vaccination. So the mother doesn't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Not allow my son to go to, to work this summer? And what about when he graduates and goes to college next year? He's going to any UC school, private school in the United States. They're all requiring these vaccinations. You can't even go to a school. It's illegal, but they're doing it. So the parents are really caught and they're in a big bind and they don't know what to do, even with the older children. What about peer pressure? I mean, leaving the children out, there's enormous pressure from every corner of society at the moment. You just mentioned one then, but um, it's either heading for a um, uh, the unwashed and the washed, uh, but it is though, or uh, these people making these decisions don't know enough about the end product and its uh, end result because nobody does. It's still, as you said, in a trial. So, you know, this is your job. Your job is to work out why people do things and to steer them clear and make, you know, help them. What do you think is happening to society? Why are we using this pressure from society itself to make people take something that may very well kill them in the next few years? The reason why it's happening is that you cannot provide a medical justification through informed consent for this vaccine for the bulk of the population. That's the bottom line. If you're under age 70 and reasonably healthy, there's no reason for you to have a vaccine. None. No medical justification for it to protect you. None. If you're over age 70, it's a toss-up. It depends on a lot of factors. So the over age 70, over age 80 population may need to have a conversation with their doctor about risks and benefits. It's a reasonable conversation to have. Many of those people really don't need the vaccine. Some of them probably would benefit from it, despite the risks. We don't really know, but we can sort of roll the dice and say, our odds are this, our odds are that. But for people who are younger, particularly people in their, let's say, under 21, where the risk is zero, or if you're under 40, where the number of people that have died, I believe it's up to 2,000-something out of 500,000 deaths, 2,000 out of 500,000, the entire under 40 population. That's, that's a nothing. That's a statistical blip. So because you can't offer an argument that is fair, complete, and transparent, if your goal is to get universal vaccination, and that seems to be, not seems to be, that's, that's an understatement, that is the stated goal of the United States and other Western democracies, then your only other option is through propaganda, which is also reliant on coercion. Coercion is probably even more powerful than propaganda for people who are uh, very uh, easily cowed into following the herd mentality, such as teenagers, that's the best way, in fact. If all of your friends are doing it, well, you want to do it too. If you want to go to summer camp, if you want to go to college, if you want to play sports, if you want to just go and hang out at the arcade, go play bowling, and all of your friends are putting stickers, and I say stickers on their clothing, but also electronic stickers on their Instagram profiles, their Twitter feeds, they're making announcements, sending up pictures of them getting themselves all shotted up and posting them all over the internet, if you don't participate, or God forbid you actually say you're not interested and you're going to opt out, you will be ostracized. You will be called a fool, an idiot. You'll be called somebody who endangers himself and other people, even though that's factually untrue. So this power, this power of, of social coercion and pressure, not to mention the employment coercion of older people, people over 18 who are working, is absolutely overwhelming. And it is, it is so powerful that it has knocked out most of the common sense, logical, rational arguments to reconsider universal vaccination. 
And so the people who are speaking truthfully and completely within the scientific norm of, of debate, simply asking questions, uh, are essentially being silenced uh, in place of this campaign for uh, public coercive pressure for universal vaccines from age zero all the way to death. If you're at school or you're about to start a new job or you're already in a great job that you see this as your future and the school or the boss says you have to take the vaccine otherwise you can't come to school, you can't work here. So what do you actually say to, the, to these people that are, that are being pressured to take the vaccine? Because they're in a very, very bad position because they want to go to school and they need the work. It's a very, very difficult position to be put in. Fortunately, right now, it is illegal in the United States under federal employment law to make vaccination a condition of employment. And that's under the U.S. Uh, labor laws. And the reason for that is very straightforward. This vaccine is not FDA approved. It is experimental. It will not be completed in its trial testing until 2023. It's not approved for anyone. Uh, we're just in one giant trial, one big test tube. Uh, so it is not legal to make that a condition of employment. And if one is fired or told, I will not hire you unless you show positive vaccine status, then that is the basis of a very winning uh, legitimate lawsuit. And for that reason, the FDA is pushing, pushing, pushing to get as many of the population that was excluded from the original trials, meaning people who already have immunity, pregnant women, and children, all vaccinated in the trial, so they can say, well, now that we have all these safety data points, we can say that it's safe and we want formal FDA approval beyond the emergency use authorization so that there's no more risk of lawsuits that people could file as a condition of employment or ultimately if they're injured by the vaccines. That may still be a tough call because if you're injured by even an approved product, and you're told that that was a condition of employment, you probably could sue the employer even after the emergency use authorization expires. What I tell people right now, though, in addition to that, uh, is that you have essentially two options. Your first option is to decline to state, to say this is private medical information, and I'm not uh, interested or willing uh, to disclose it. And by law, the employer cannot require or ask for it. Uh, that may change because the laws seem to keep changing all the time. Protections keep disappearing. But that is currently the standard. The second option would be for people to uh, get a T-cell immunity test from a company called, say, tdetect.com. Uh, that T-cell immunity test will very likely be positive since most Americans already have immunity. Maybe not circulating antibodies, but they definitely have immunity. And the T-cell detect test can test for uh, latent immunity that's not actively circulating. And if that test comes back positive and it's in writing, it's from a bona fide lab, there is no medical justification for somebody coercing you or forcing you to take a experimental vaccine, which actually can harm you and will harm you, uh, most likely, if you already have uh, immunity. And that could be the basis of a threat, a counter threat, I should say, against the employer or the basis of a lawsuit. Um, these are the tools and weapons that we have right now as individuals. On a larger level, there are, are federal antitrust lawsuits, uh, uh, um, the massive claim uh, uh, actions um, against uh, one individual by you know thousands of people. Class action was the word I was thinking of. Couldn't find it. 
uh, that are ongoing right now. There are several organizations that are filing suits, like Americans Frontline Doctors, for example. So there is a battle waging. Um, but uh, you're going to take some damage. There's no easy way. There's no easy answer. There's no guaranteed trump card you can play to win that argument right now. We have to win the battle uh, so that we can maintain freedom for everyone. Otherwise, we're all going to be picked off one by one. You've seen many things in your career. Have you ever seen society move from one side to the other side so rapidly and with disastrous results in the future? I've been practicing medicine now independently in my own practice for over 10 years, and I've been in training and seeing patients for over 15, 17 years. And there's been little skirmishes, little debates here and there about what is good, what is bad with certain diseases. And there's been some, uh, what I would say, a bit heated arguments, maybe some non-rational conclusions, but they've all been uh, fairly circumscribed. Uh, they've been in very specific cases of, of population and disease. They haven't affected a large number of people, not, not relative to the whole population of the country uh, by any means. This is the first time in my career that I have seen such a, a universal, concerted, and opaque effort to essentially obligate every single human being in this country and in other countries to receive a biological medicinal product for an illness. I've never seen this before. And given the, the obvious cost, and I'm talking about financial cost to taxpayers to produce these products, the loss of work from all the lockdowns, the unexpected consequences of cancer, heart attacks, suicide, stroke, drug abuse, the ongoing anxiety and depressive disorders in children and adults, these enormous, enormous costs to our dollar and to our body, to our psyche, uh, for what is, objectively speaking, um, a modest, if that, medical benefit compared to, say, selective treatment for people who are actually at significant risk of being hospitalized or dying from the Wuhan virus. Um, I, I can't explain this as a doctor, the only explanation has to lie elsewhere. My belief is that it's uh, really in the locus of control, uh, of shifting the ability and capacity uh, of the individual to make choices for, for his or her life onto other people, other agencies, onto government. There is really no other explanation. And it's, the fact that it's happened so rapidly to me is frightening. Uh, the the level of compliance, level of conformity, lack of pushback uh, from the people is utterly shocking. Um, I am, am really concerned that uh, we are essentially losing our foundational freedoms uh, in Western countries that we fought so hard for for hundreds of years to uh, achieve and to maintain. Mm. Compliance by fear. I mean, our grandfathers and their fathers died for us to have freedom and right of speech. I mean, even uh, uh, the other day, uh, Professor Dolores Cahill said, where's the debate? Uh, if you sense a debate, you've already won. And um, at the moment, there's no debate. Uh, freedom's just been swept under, under the carpet for the greater good. You wonder who's greater good. 
really, really, really interesting. Look, great chatting with you. Uh, do this again, we must. It's fantastic. And even off camera, we can talk about favourite margarita haunts uh, around <laughs> Marina Del Rey. Vicious things they are, but absolutely delightful. Uh, Dr. McDonald, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And that's it for Asia Pacific Today. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Mike Ryan.